Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC Yair Rosenstrike versus Cyril Gane. And let me tell you something, it is a heavyweight matchup that I'm certainly pumped up for. But as you folks know who frequent the show, you know we're not going to be breaking down that fight or any other of the fights on the main card. Instead, we're all focused on the prelim portion here. Now, for those of you who might be new to the show, you might be asking, why not break down that matchup? It's a fun heavyweight tilt, and as you've seen lately, heavyweight tilts have been pretty unpredictable. The answer's pretty simple. You guys know a little bit about Yair Rosenstrike and Sergane and Pedro Munoz and Jimmy Rivera and all the people who are going to be on this main card. But you probably don't know a lot of the names that are going to be on these prelims. And that's where we're here to help you. Whether you're gambling or playing daily fantasy sports, we're here to help you break those guys down and know a little bit more about them. And to help me out here breaking down these fights today, I of course have to be joined by a clever and savvy co-host joining me today is you can find him on his YouTube at Ryan Jarrell Sports, or you can check out his writing at All Access MMA or Low Kick MMA, Ryan Jarrell. Ryan, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, it's always a pleasure. Happy to be back. All right, and as you guys at home know, we always start each and every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Alex Caceres versus Kevin Kroom. Caceres, since losing to Kron Gracie, is 3-0 in the featherweight division, beating Steven Peterson, Chase Hooper, and Austin Springer. Kroom, meanwhile, debuted back in September, picking up a guillotine win in just under half a minute over against Roosevelt Roberts. So I guess the question for me in this fight is Caceres fights so long, he's kind of a rangy featherweight. Kroom has shown he does his best work both boxing and grappling once he gets inside. So do you expect Kroom to be able to get inside on Caceres to get any of that game plan going? Well, I mean, if you look at his his most recent fight against Roosevelt Robertson, that was turned over to a no contest because he tested positive for marijuana afterwards, which Kroom is is still hot about. He, and I really <laughs> feel like that's going to to drive him moving forward because he really believes he should have an extra win on his record. And I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, but it's funny because Roosevelt Roberts is is even taller and and longer than 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 Caceres is. So this is this is a very very uh, I guess I want to say similar matchup in some regards because they're built the, the same but uh kevin kroom has been at this for a long time i mean he he is a gamer of all gamers fun fact here he actually fought justin gaethje back in 2011 and, and nobody knows that because it was so long ago now that's how long this guy's been in the game um and he's finally at the ufc uh this is his time he literally is one of the most like swaggy guys I've ever seen in my life. If you follow him on Instagram uh, and you just see some of the stuff that, that he wears, he, he marches to a beat of his own drum. Uh, I love this guy. I, I think this is a tough matchup because Alex Caceres is a veteran. He's very well-rounded. He's very dangerous if, if this goes to the ground. But, you know, I think with guys like Grant Dawson, uh, Tim Elliott, and Coach James Krause in his corner, uh, Kroon's going to come in with a game plan. Uh, and I'm uh, – I'm leaning with with Kroom. He, he's he's kind of my boy. I've been interviewing interviewing him for a while. Uh, so yes, to answer your question, I I think he can uh, get inside and, and do what he wants to do. But it's going to be tough. This will not be an easy fight. Yeah, and I I think it's interesting too that you bring up the body size because I do think that that definitely gives me 
more confidence in Kroom than I had previously thought about because I, I went back and I was looking at his record. And, you know, so you, you mentioned he's been at it for a while. I actually covered a fight live of his at CES 41 in Twin River Casino where he lost a main event to Matt Bassett, um, which was a, it was a wild fight too. But, like, he's been at it so long, I think I almost overwrote the fact that he did have his UFC debut and looked really good against a rangy opponent. I would just say the part for me that has me, and ultimately I'm still going to pick Caceres here, the part that needs has him still picking Caceres is that I think Caceres fights longer than Roosevelt Roberts. Roosevelt Roberts, longer height, longer reach, less ability to use that, right? And you mentioned the gamemanship of, of Caceres. I think ultimately that's what gives it for me here. I'm going to take Caceres by decision. How do you see Kroom getting it done? I'm going to go with Kroom by decision. I, I have the utmost respect for Caceres. I think that he um, is is very legit no matter where the fight goes. Um, I just I just feel like this is Kevin Kroom's time, and he's paid his dues. And it took him a long road to get to the UFC, uh, and, and I hope he doesn't flame out. Um, you know, I, I try to stay objective, but I can't help it. I'm, I'm kind of rooting for the guy, and I think he's going to come in uh, with a good game plan and, uh, and get a close-fought uh, victory here. Yeah, and you certainly can't ever overwrite the game plan of James Cross because he's been doing doing some amazing things. But that's going to bring us to our second fight in this round, which is Alexander Hernandez versus Tiago Moises. Hernandez, 2-1 in his last three. He last knocked out Chris Grootsmacher back in October. Moises, meanwhile, after having a rough start in the UFC, actually had back-to-back wins over Michael Johnson by heel hook and Bobby Green by decision. Now, now the question here is Alexander Hernandez, very physically strong guy, very athletically gifted guy. Does Moises have a chance if he can't get this to the mat? You know, honestly, I don't think so. I I think this is kind of a of a mismatch, uh, unfortunately for for Tiago here, and and I say that borderline hesitantly because Alexander Hernandez makes me scratch my head, man. Like I don't I don't understand sometimes when I'm watching him some of the things he does. I mean, he's got big wins over Benil Dariush and uh, Olivier uh, Oben Mercier, you know, and then he goes and gets trucked by Cowboy. I think that was kind of a situation where he looked up to him and and maybe looked at him as kind of like a a, a veteran idol sort of so to speak, and and he just kind of got got caught but you know sometimes he just he just doesn't look as good as he is having said that i do think that he's just so much physically stronger than tiago here i mean tiago lost to jason knight at 145 pounds that's a big difference as far as size wise goes from alexander hernandez i think the difference here is just going to be he's bigger and stronger and i think he's going to be able to dictate where the fight goes if he doesn't want it to go to the mat i don't think it's going to go to the mat well, I definitely agree with you. The bigger and stronger thing worries me, but I'm interested too is what happens as this fight goes on because that bigger and stronger, you're right. If he's able to blast him, get him out of there like he did with Dariush, I think for sure, you know, like that's a real possibility. The interesting thing to me here though is, is Hernandez actually has given up quite a few takedowns in his UFC career. You know, you mentioned the loss to, to Donald Cerrone and we don't really know how to take that fight, right? It was a weird kind of circumstance fight. But Cerrone took him down, and to be honest with you, I'm never impressed with Donald Cerrone's offensive wrestling. Sometimes I'm okay with his defensive wrestling. I definitely love his grappling, but I don't really love his takedowns, and yet still he was able to take Alexander Hernandez down. So I'm sort of interested is as Hernandez gets more and more tired, can Tiago Moises get him down once or twice? Man, I think if he can, I mean, we saw how quickly he locked up a submission on Michael Johnson. Man, it certainly could be a game-changer. Uh, if you do pick Alexander Hernandez, which it certainly seems like you're leaning, how do you got him winning this one? 
You know, I, I think he's going to get a finish here. Uh, I, I think it's going to probably be second round is kind of where I'm, I'm leaning. But um, I think he's probably going to catch him with a, a big shot and maybe uh, finish him with some ground and pound. But I am going with uh, Alexander the Great. All right, and I'm going to differ with you on this one, too. Uh, we're going to go two for two in this first round. I'm going to go with Tiago Moises. I just believe in his jiu-jitsu enough here. You know, what he did to, to Bobby Green for me is enough to pick him against another, you know, big, strong guy. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Tiago Moises. I'm going to say submission early third round. Uh, and that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We're going to be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. All right, guys, I just want to take a second to shout out our new sponsor, Vigit. Vigit is the first gamified social network for sports bettors. It's 100% free to download, and it gives sports bettors like you and I a place to talk about sports betting, compete against friends, and check out all kinds of different betting trends to make you a better better. That's right, you can be a better better with Vigit because it's free to play sportsbook, which gives you an opportunity to win real prizes while paying attention to those trends and learning as you go. I highly suggest checking it out on the Google Play Store or in the App Store. And let me tell you something, when you do, make sure to use referral code TTP when you sign up. Tell them Gumby sent you. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Alexis Davis versus Sabina Mazo. Davis, three straight losses, has lost to Jennifer Maya, Viviana Ruyo, and Caitlin Chokagian, only the top in the top of the feather or flyweight division, rather. Mazo, meanwhile, has got three straight wins, but they're all the unranked fighters and Shanna Dobson, JJ Aldrich, and Justine Kish. So my question for you is Mazo sort of came in here as this big KO striking threat. Everybody saw her head kicks and LFA, was really jacked up on her striking. Was that a bad read by us? Because it, it seems like since she's come here, it's almost been like her offensive wrestling and her positioning that has gotten her the farthest. Is it a bad read by her or is she adjusting better to her opponents? You know, I look, when, when you make it to the UFC, you're fighting the best of the best. And I think that's a huge factor. She hasn't been, the competition isn't what it is now, who she's going to be fighting uh, as long as she's in the UFC. Uh, but I, I do think that she's very well-rounded. And, you know, she has a, a unanimous decision win over, over Shannon Dobson, you know, a split win over, over Aldridge. You know, she's got a RNC win over Kish, like you mentioned. You know, I, I just, I feel like Mazo, um, this is the young lion versus the the old lion to me. Alexis Davis has been around forever. I mean, gee, she fought Ronda Rousey uh, and Sarah McMahon back in the day. So she's she's a veteran if there ever is one. Uh, but I think Mazo is adjusting. I think she's going to get more and more comfortable the more that she's in the octagon uh, and, and those you know octagon nerves, so to speak, will start to to go away. Um, I, I feel Mazo here. This is her fight to lose. She if she loses this one. Uh, then yeah, I think maybe we we were looking at her a little incorrectly. But I, but I think you're right too that we we looked at her incorrectly. Even that you know she's just she's learning on the job, right? Like she she figuring things out against higher level competition. And I think they gave her the right people to do that against it. And people like Dobson and Aldrich and Kish, like those were the right people for her to learn about herself and realize that she's not that striker too. So maybe it was a little bit of a bad read, and maybe also is the perfect read. Like we had what she was then, and she's developed. Um, and you mentioned Alexis Davis, all the respect in the world to her. You know, you mentioned that she, she fought, uh, you know, Ronda Rousey. She also has a win over Amanda Nunes, which I think people forget too. She knocked or TKO'd Amanda Nunes back in, uh, I, I think I was still in college at the time. So it was a long time ago. 
But at, at sort of the, the bottom line here is, you're right, it's it's the young lion on the way up versus the person who she can build her name off of. I think Mazza wins this easy, and I think she probably does it by finishing Davis ground and pound, um, or, or even a submission. I, I take her that way. How do you see her getting it done? Yeah, I think she'll probably uh, finish her as well. I, I want to give a little bit of respect to the veteran Davis. I think she'll probably get her into the third round, but ultimately I see Mazo getting the uh, victory on the feet. All right, and that brings us to our second fight, which is a very exciting light heavyweight contest between William Knight and Alonzo Menafield. Knight won a decision over Alexa Kamer in his debut back in September. Menafield, meanwhile, after getting out to a really hot start and even getting close to those UFC rankings, had back-to-back losses to Devin Clark and OSP. His last win came against Paul Craig, who's still a ranked light heavyweight, uh, but that was all the way back in June of 2019, so... My question to you here, Menafield clearly the more polished, definitely the more careful fighter, but that hasn't necessarily worked out for him in his last two fights. How do you expect that to do against a guy like William Knight, who, let's let's just put it all on the table, is a freaking wild man? He's a freak of nature. <laughs> he he really is. I mean, I, I can't remember the specifics about it, about how much he can bench press and the things that he can do athletically, but he's a freak of nature. And if you saw what he did uh, against Cody Brundage at Contender oh, yeah. Series, when Cody had him basically out and he, he just muscled his way back up to his feet and ended up winning the fight. I mean, good Lord, I was so impressed. Just the physical specimen that, that this man is. And he's only like 5'9 or 5'10". He, and he's fighting at 205. He's just he just muscles on top of muscles. You know, having said that, I mean, Menafield's a pretty big guy himself. And you, you, look, there's no shame in losing to OSP. And, and I even got a lot of respect for Devin Clark. I don't think people realize just how good he is. Uh, the signature win has to be Paul Craig. I mean, Vinicius Moreira, that's a nice one too. But I mean, beating Paul Craig, uh, that's someone that you really need to keep an eye on because he's he's dangerous in that division. But at the end of the day, I think it's just going to come down to who is stronger in the clinch because you know that they're going to be basically stacked up on the cage at some point. And with, with Knight's power and the, the bombs that he throws, um, I, I feel like that very well could be the difference. I got a hard time betting against William Knight. He's a, he's a New England guy, uh, much like ourselves. So uh, I'm, I'm leaning that way here. Yeah, I, I have a tough time picking against him here too. But here's the thing, and ultimately I am going to differ with you on this one. I'm going to go with Alonzo Menafield, and here's why. You mentioned being in that bad position against Cody Brundage. And that, to me, is a red flag. Because while Cody Brundage is a really good fighter, Cody Brundage is a middleweight. He's not a light heavyweight. He He's fought at middleweight for most of his career. He actually just fought, uh, like, two weekends ago in LFA at, at middleweight. So, you're yes, you're able to muscle up and just sort of beast mode out on a on a middleweight. Are you going to do that against save Saad-trained Alonzo Menafield, who's been in there with title challenger OSP, and not for anything, put together a pretty nice fight against OSP as well. I just don't know necessarily that that's a path to victory. And I feel like if this is one of those situations where he falls in that bad situation, I'm not sure his muscles are going to get him out of that one. Now, that being said, I totally think that your path to victory is totally true for him too. He gets this in the clinch. He throws one big bomb. This is all over for Alonzo Menafield. But I'm going to say Alonzo Menafield actually just wears him down, stays safe early, and then punishes him when he does make that mistake. So I'm going to go Menafield late TKO. Sounds like you'd like Knight. Are, are we going early knockout with Knight? 
No, I mean, I, I won't say early. I'll, I'll go second round. Uh, but I, look, all due respect to Alonzo Menafield, I, I, he is he is a very dangerous opponent here. Um, I just I'm leaning with Knight. I, I feel like there's there's some X factor that he has where I got a tough time betting against him right now. Yeah. And, and for those of you who are the betting public at home, it is right now a pick em fight. So there's certainly reason for us to be on either side. And before we get to the last two fights, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with round number three. All right, guys, in the last break, I talked to you a little bit about Vigit, and I highly suggest going and downloading Vigit because you're going to learn so much about the sports betting world. But let me tell you something. There's lots of great features to Vigit, including one of my personal favorites, which is the betting league feature. You can compete against your friends and other sports bettors to determine who's number one each and every month. And let me tell you something. That's a lot of fun. I'd play with Shockwave Dave, and you can actually join our group if you check out the uh, private group section. That's right. You're getting an invite to a private group. You go ahead and just punch in the password SPORT202, and that's going to get you right in. You're going to compete against me and Shockwave, and let me tell you something. It's a good time. We put a little smack talk in there, so be sure to check that out. And also remember, if you are downloading Vigit for the very first time, be sure to use referral code TTP to tell them Gumby sent you. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Vince Cachero versus Ronnie Lawrence. Cachero lost a short notice debut all the way back in August. A decision to Jamal Emmers, who we obviously know very tough. Uh, Ronnie Lawrence, meanwhile, beat Jose Johnson on the Contender Series in September by decision. So uh, Lawrence coming off of that Contender Series fight received some very high praise from Dana White. People were all jacked up about that win over Jose Johnson, where he looked pretty dominant. Do you believe that the hype is, is warranted on somebody like Ronnie Lawrence? Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm in. I I was really impressed uh, with how he looked at, at Contender Series, and uh, you got to go all the way back to 2016 uh, for his lone loss. That was at Bellator 162 to Steve Garcia. So it's been quite a while since he has suffered a, a loss. And and from what I saw at Contender Series, uh, this kid looks like he very well could be the real deal. Tough, uh, well-rounded. Um, you know, he's what has he got? Three KO wins already. Uh, but again, you know, Vince is he's got seven LFA fights, and let's. Let's face it, outside of the UFC, Bellator, PFL, like if you're talking about regional promotions to watch in, in the United States, uh, LFA is the premier regional promotion. And he went five and two. Uh, one of his losses was to Casey Kenny. So, you know, no shame in losing to, to that guy. So this is going to be a, a nice test for Ronnie Lawrence. But I think when Dana White sees someone that he really likes uh, on Contender Series – I mean, I don't think he's going to throw him to the wolves right out of the gate. I think he, I think he maybe wants to groom this kid a little bit. Um, so this, this is a fight that I expect Lawrence to win. Um, I'm not, I'm not as familiar with with Cachero. I've seen a couple of his fights, uh, but everything that I have seen, I wasn't as impressed by what I saw at Contender Series. So uh, if that's the Ronnie Lawrence that we see come fight night, uh, I'm going Lawrence. Yeah, I, I like Lawrence, and I, I will say, this is going to be weird again, I'm actually going to take Cachero on this one, and, and this is going to be why. I'm also high on Ronnie Lawrence. I think he is well-rounded, but I also think in the fights that I've seen of him lately, the Contender Series included, he's really in love with how well he wrestles. Um, and, and I think we saw that. He, he took down Jose Johnson whenever he wanted to. Jose Johnson, notoriously a bad takedown guy. Like, he, he notoriously has awful takedown defense. And I think Ronnie Lawrence, if he goes that route against Cachero, I think there's definitely a path to victory. Cachero got taken down a bunch by Jamal Emmers. That's possible. 
But I also think if he doesn't protect himself against the punches, if he does just go in there thinking, okay, I'm just using my punches to set up my takedowns, I think he's going to get swarmed because Cachero moves forward really well. Cachero puts together some good combinations in his own right. I just think ultimately the question is, is how long is this on the feet? How successful can Lawrence be with those takedowns? And how in love with it is he? It's enough questions for me, and and with a caveat here, I like Cachero a little bit because he is an underdog. So once again, if this is going to the gambling public, I I like the guy who's an underdog in a pick that I'm, or a a fight that I'm pretty much calling a coin flip. But I'm going to go with Cachero here. I'm going to go with him by decision. Uh, And and how do you like Lawrence winning this one? I think he wins by decision, uh, but I I do expect uh, somewhat of a of a dominant win. Uh, if he doesn't win all three rounds, it'll be 29-28 in my opinion. All right, and that brings me to the next or the very last fight, which is Maxim Grishin versus Dustin Jacoby. So Grishin lost to Marcin Tybura up at heavyweight in his debut. Took a short notice fight. He finally gets a fight in his own weight class. He looks good. He TKOs uh, Gadamurazad and Tigulov back in October. Jacoby, meanwhile, was out of the UFC for almost a decade. He comes back in October. He leg kick TKOs Justin Ledette in a very impressive performance. And, of course, before that, he was on the Contender Series. For me, these two guys, light heavyweights who like to let the leather fly, like to strike, like to do some kickboxing. I'm hoping this fight takes place mostly on the feet and that nobody shoots for a takedown. If it does do that, who are you favoring? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I, I, geez, this is such a tough fight to call. I, I like both of these guys a lot. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I just hope it stays on the feet because if it does go to the ground, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I know Grisham, he's got three losses uh, by way of punches. And, and Jacoby, I don't even know how much kickboxing experience he has. It's it's insane. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a ton of kickboxing, uh, kickboxing experience. I will say this, man, uh, how he did or how impressive he looked uh, and what he did against Ty Flores at Kentucky tender series i mean he brutalized him and beat him up uh and and flores is legit that's a guy that that is a wrestler and jacoby was able to to piece him up so you know i i i'm kind of leaning uh jacoby here uh but again grisham i mean he's got so much experience i mean he even beat jordan johnson if you want to go back to, to pfl who's a former uh fighter here in the ufc that did, did fairly well um and, and jacoby i mean if you look at a lot of his losses i mean he's lost to john salter and david branch you know chris camozzi like he doesn't lose to chumps you know he lost to king mo so you know i I feel like this fight is a coin flip if i was a betting man i'd stay away from it um but i am i am leaning a little bit towards uh jacoby here and if it goes to the ground i don't know i'm just gonna have to lean on what you have to say because i haven't seen too much of them on the ground uh these these guys are stand-up fighters and uh geez i hope it ends up that way yeah i I definitely agree with you on this one i'm kind of in the dark if this goes to the ground I, i don't know maybe i'm pointing towards the russian guy versus the kickboxer and saying yeah he's russian maybe he'll score a takedown um but uh ultimately that's pretty terrible analysis so I'm also leading Dustin Jacoby. You know, you mentioned those losses. They weren't to chumps, but they were also 10 years ago, and he's a completely changed fighter. The version of him we saw in the Contender Series, like you said, against Ty Flores, very impressive. So I like Dustin Jacoby here, and I'm going to go out on a limb here. The kickboxer in him comes out in full force. I'm going to say Dustin Jacoby by knockout. Uh, How do you got him winning this one? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll go by by TKO maybe in the third round. Uh, but I, I this this fight really could be uh, fight of the night if if it does stay on the feet and these guys go back and forth. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this 205 matchup. 
me as well. So just so you guys know, uh, if you are uh, so inclined, you can follow Ryan Jarrell on Twitter at sonofjarrell 20 And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Gumby Vreeland. We hope you guys enjoyed this breakdown of all of the fights that are going to be happening on the prelims. You could also catch possibly some more prelims. There were some cancellations that we got in just before we recorded with Alex Oliveira and Marcelo Rojo. And you might be seeing those guys at some point in time. But we gave you the ones that we know for sure. So we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you learned a little something. And of course, I want to thank my co-host, Ryan Jarrell, for joining me. Ryan, thanks so much again. Hey, thank you. Look forward to next time, buddy.